for over this offering. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you so much for the privilege that we have to give. It's a privilege, Father, to be doers of your word. We thank you, Father, for the exceeding great and precious promises that you've made unto us, promises of provision, protection, blessing in every area. We thank you, Father, for bringing resources into our hands in these last days so that we can finish the work that Jesus has given us to do. Thank you, Father, that you are a good God and that the blessing of the Lord makes rich. We thank you, Father, for spectacular increase in these last days. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Praise the Lord. I'll invite you to turn your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 3. I, was, uh, I didn't have any direction for these uh, Wednesday night services until a couple of days ago. I was seeking the Lord about what he would have me to teach. And uh, he put on my heart uh, uh, a subject that I've had to get out some old notes and refresh myself on and, and so forth. And I'm really excited to, to be teaching a series that, uh, for lack of a better term, we'll title, at least preliminarily title. If we come up with a snappier, snazzier title later on, we may change it. But uh, I'm not too good on titles. But uh, we'll call it Biblical Prosperity. I knew that would get your attention and really ch- charge you up there. I want to, uh, I want to teach some things uh, on what the Bible says about prosperity. Um, the, the fact that, that there's very little reaction, um, outward reaction at least, shows some things that, uh, that are missing in, uh, in my opinion as far as understanding about what the Bible really talks about prosperity. Uh, for example, um, most, well, let me just ask this question. How many of you want more, more money? Who doesn't? Why are we hesitant about admitting it? By and large, the Christians in America, at least the American church, have got the idea that, that the, the desire for money is wrong. Yeah, Pastor Mike, the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. I want to make sure that I don't love it. Well, does that mean you don't have to have any of it? Tell that to the mortgage holder of your, of your house. When he says that uh, you missed your last mortgage payment, just say, well, you know, the Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil, and so I've just decided not to participate. 
that's not going to go over. Money is a necessity here in life. It's something that we all need. Now, one of the things that's always kind of interested me on the subject of prosperity is I don't think the church has the answers. I think the Jews do have a lot of answers that the church doesn't have. The, uh, the Jewish population, according to statistics, the Jewish population is less than 2% of Americans. Well, if you factor that into the Forbes 400 richest people here in the country, they have an annual list that comes out each year. Um, that would mean that less than 2% would mean that on average there would be eight Jewish people on the Forbes 400 list. Do you know how many there really are? In any given year, there are 60 to 100 They must know something the church doesn't know. What do they know? Well, they know a lot of things. One of the things that they know is that money is a blessing from God. One of the things that they know is where the church shies away from uh, business endeavors and things like that, they recognize that God created business endeavors and that it's a a means of your, uh, it, it reflects your life, your life's work, and is therefore a spiritual endeavor. They know these things. They teach their kids these things. Kids grow up in, in well, in Jewish homes that, that, uh, that know and hold fast to the principles of uh, the old ways and so forth. They grow up with this, this uh, concept, this notion that money is not an evil thing. There's nothing about money that's evil. Money is just a tool. But money is the reward for being good. That's what they know that the church doesn't know. Look with me to Proverbs chapter 3. We'll start reading in verse 13. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom. That's how you can tell who's got it. You'll realize what that that means later on. The people that have wisdom are the ones that are happy. That leaves out most of the church. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver and the gain thereof than fine gold. Now the word merchandise means pursuit or purchasing of. In other words, he's saying it's better to pursue wisdom than to pursue silver and gold. Why is that? He's going to tell you. She is more precious than rubies. Wisdom is more precious than rubies. And all the things that thou canst desire are not to be compared to her. There's nothing on the earth. There's no riches. There is no value, valuable object. There is nothing that, that, that this world considers valuable that even can compare to wisdom. Why? Because, verse 16, length of days is in her right hand. And riches and honor are in her left hand. In other words, anything that you could consider of value is not to be compared with wisdom because wisdom not only provides you the riches and honor that you think are so valuable, it gives you length of days or long life. Pursuing money can't give you long life. Wisdom can Verse 17, her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. Now, folks, I want you to understand something. He's saying the people that, are, that, are, uh, that have wisdom and the benefits thereof, length of days, long life. I, I, there's a difference, uh, a slight difference anyway, between length of days and long life. There are a couple of places in the Bible where it mentions both of them together, which indicates they can't be the same thing. It means God will multiply your time and it also means that God will make you live longer. Or the application of the word, which is wisdom, will make you live longer on the earth. So he says, her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. In other words, the people that have the wisdom and the the length of days and the riches and honor that come from that have a peaceful 
life. Well, who doesn't want that? And notice the way that it comes. It comes to the gaining of wisdom. Not to the gaining of money. The world's pursuing money. The church is supposed to pursue wisdom. But notice the byproduct of the pursuit of wisdom is riches and honor. And it produces a peaceful life. All of her ways are ways of pleasantness and her ways are, uh, and, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her. Not the riches, but the wisdom. The riches are a byproduct. She is a tree of life to them that lay hold on her and happy is everyone that retaineth her. Now, anytime, well, that's not true. Most of the times in the Old Testament where the word riches is concerned, it's really the word wealth. The Bible makes a distinction between riches and wealth. Where it uses the word riches and it doesn't mean wealth, it means the gaining or the accumulation of goods and and riches and and, uh, valuable objects and things like that. In other words, there are times where the Bible... Well, let me show you an example. Turn with me over to Proverbs chapter 10. Here's, uh, here's the time where the word riches is used that means something other than wealth. You'll be familiar with this verse of Scripture, I'm sure. Proverbs 10, 22, it says, The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich. In other words, it's saying this is the word that means to accumulate or to grow. It's saying the blessing of the Lord will cause you to grow rich. The blessing of the Lord will cause you to accumulate riches. Or valuable things in life. Money and so forth. The Bible makes a distinction between money and wealth. Money is a finite thing. Wealth is infinite. That's one of the reasons that the country has to. uh, Has a delicate balance between how much money do they print each year. How much additional money do they print each year. If they print too much you have inflation. If they print too little they have deflation. Why? See if wealth was a static or a constant number then all you'd have to do is keep the same amount of dollar bills out there in, the, in the, the currency or in the economy. Why do they have a delicate balance between too much or too little, between inflation or deflation? Because wealth is always increasing. Wealth is infinite. Wealth can be created from nothing. But money is a finite measure of wealth. One, uh, one Jewish rabbi said it this way. He said the, the delicate balance between inflation and, and deflation is the tension between the spiritual and the physical. He's right. Because wealth is spiritual. Wealth is spiritual. And wealth is what is in the left hand of wisdom. It's an unlimited commodity. The money's not. There's a finite amount of money, but wealth can be created out of nothing. The blessing of the Lord maketh rich, or makes you grow rich, one translation says, And he adds no sorrow with it. Turn with me over to Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 24. Notice this. The crown of the wise is their riches. This is the word wealth. The crown of the wise is their wealth. The crown of the wise is their wealth. Here's something the Jews know that you probably don't know. Most of the church world doesn't know. And that is Moses was the richest man of all of Israel when they came out of the Exodus, when they came out of Egypt in the Exodus. And the Jewish Talmud, the oral tradition of the Jews, indicates that nobody could even be considered to be a prophet without great wealth. Now, why is that? Because wealth was always a sign of wisdom. Now, in the, in the, the modern-day church, the Christian world, that's not necessarily the case. 
The Christian church looks at people that are wealthy and wonder how they've cheated somebody or what they did to, to, to get what they have. They don't automatically assume, like the Jews do, that wealth is the result or the reward of wisdom operating according to Bible principles. I think that's one reason why they've got a lot more wealthy people than the church does. The crown of the wise is wealth. We have a lot in the Talmud, we have a lot of details about some of the prophets and their lives and, and uh, the, the details of their lives and so forth. And there's no exception. The prophets were all wealthy men. Not because they pursued wealth, not because they took advantage of the people, not because they did something dishonest, which so much of the, the, the modern day world, the spirit of this world, will try to attach to wealth and business. But the Jews understood that wisdom brings wealth. Well, you don't want an unwise prophet, do you? So what's the first thing they looked for? They looked for somebody that was wealthy. Now, there were other criteria, certainly. But without the wealth as evidence of wisdom in your life, don't even apply for the job, so to speak. These are things that the Jews understand that the church hadn't got a hold of. As a matter of fact, you go back to about the 13th century, and you'll find out that's where that's about the time, 12th, 13th centuries. You'll find out that that's the point where the Jews began to be bank, to, to get involved in the banking and finance industries. Why did the Jews get so involved in finance and banking? Because the Christians wouldn't. The Christians took literally, thou shalt lend unto many nations and not borrow, and they thought that that meant that there was something wrong with borrowing. Paul said, oh, no man, anything but to love one another. Well, they took that literally and said, well, it's wrong to borrow, so therefore it would be wrong to lend. And so they abandoned any uh, involvement whatsoever in the financial industry. To the Jews, knowing what they know, that it's a valuable and honorable thing, it's a noble thing to expend or risk capital for somebody else to pursue a business endeavor, got involved in the banking and finance industry and took it over. It wasn't because... They just were greedy or, or, or cheats or dishonest or anything like that. As a matter of fact, the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible, has ten times more scriptures, ten times more uh, scripture references and instructions on honesty in business than it does on dietary regimen. Ten times more. Well, you know how important it is for the Jews to eat the right things and not eat the wrong things. Ten times more scriptural instructions to the Jews, to be honest in business. But the spirit of the world has sold the idea that the Jews are wealthy because they're dishonest, they take advantage of people, and so forth. That's, nothing could be further from the truth. They've operated according to biblical principles, and wisdom has brought them wealth. Now, if you wanted to get involved in something new, for example, let's say I wanted to learn about computers. I don't know too much about them. I can open my email, but that's about it. I know how to get to Google, but, you know, beyond that, I don't know too much. But let's say that I wanted to learn something about computers. What would I do? Well, I'd probably go to the store and get a couple of magazines and start reading these journals that tell about computers and computer world and PC world and whatever else it might be. I don't even know too many of the journal names. But if I started searching through those things, I'd start to, to gain a little bit of information about what's new and what's going on and how things work and so forth. Then I could go to the Internet or the library and look through a gazillion sources to find out more and more and more about computers. 
I'd probably find out, well, I'm sure of it. I'd find out that there's a whole world of computers related to computers that I didn't even know existed. They have their own language. They have their own merchants. They have their own way of doing things, their own uh, codes to write and so forth, things that I don't even know how to describe. But I'd find out all of those things through my research. The more and more that I researched, the more and more that I studied, the more and more I applied myself to the new information about computers, this new world of computers that I was gaining information about, the more I would be, my interest would be piqued to learn more or to gain even more information. I'd probably start spending my money on computer hardware or software applications so that I could put in practice and gain by experience some of the things that I was reading about in the the periodicals and, and as a result of my research. Eventually, I'd come to the place where I was proficient, if I kept up with it, where I was proficient in computers, at least compared to where I started. Now, that's not hard to understand, is it? Everybody knows that's the way it would work, and you could substitute any other subject for computers, and it would work pretty much the same way. Money matters work the same. Money matters work exactly the same way. If you want an increase in your finances, if you want an increase in your wealth, you're going to have to immerse yourself into a new culture. Now, what culture is that? Well, there's a couple of ways you could go about it. For example, there are all kinds of seminars, wealth creation seminars and self-improvement type seminars that promise you that you'll be wealthy, happy, and so forth. Some of them are based on uh, uh, techniques. You can find seminars going on just about in any major city of the country where they'll teach you how to buy houses at auction, renovate them, turn them over and flip them for profits and so forth. Most of those are based on the techniques of here's how to do it. You do step A, you do step B, you do step C and so forth. But then there are other self-improvement type seminars where they promise to unlock the power within you. And in all the advertisements I've seen, they show the people that are giving the seminars and they, they have beautiful women on each arm in bikinis. <laughs> and then they'll show, you, show, show the guy walking up the steps to his private jet or driving his new sports car up to his mansion or maybe bouncing his racing boat off the waves in the ocean. And the underlying theme is you can have this and more when you learn to unlock the power within. So you go to the seminar and you got a guy that's all pumped up. He's all jazzed about what's going on. He's your life coach. He introduces himself as your life coach. He's going to teach you how to transform your life. Now, folks, you need to understand something. God made the human being, the human body, to respond to different behavior. Now, what I mean by that is this. The Jews understand this very well. I'll show you the principle of it. But the Jews understand very well that if you do something new, a new activity or a new behavior long enough, it will transform you into another person. An example of that would be an exercise program. How many of us have started exercise programs and thought we were going to die the first week? Second week, we still thought we were going to die. But eventually, if we kept up with it, we got to the place where we looked forward to it. We got to the place where it was no longer the edge of death. But it was something that was that jump started us to have a good day. Now, what happened in that situation? Well, not only did our attitude change because our body started responding, 
But our body's literally transformed. Our muscles change. The tendons, the tissues, our lungs, our heart, all change through that exercise, through the practice of that exercise. We were changed into another person. God created the body to operate that way. Your body will change if you take a different behavior or a different action and stick with it long enough, you will change or transform into a different person. That's true where the computer example that we used just a few minutes ago is concerned. You could go from somebody that's completely ignorant of computers to the the highest form of computer geek. If you change your behavior and stick with it long enough. Well, that's what these self-help seminars will do. They'll tell you all through this thing, most of the seminars are about these success stories. Here's how you can make it. Here's how I made it. Here's how this guy made it. Here's how this woman made it. And they'll show you how you can make it too. And they'll tell you. Now, the seminar is just a taste of the real, the real deal, which you can get in 31 CDs at a special seminar price of only $499. And this, each one of these CDs, one per day each month, you're supposed to listen to these CDs Get pumped up by your life coach, encouraged, and then they'll give you things to meditate on and they'll give you things to affirm about yourself. What are they doing? They're trying to apply the principle that if you change your behavior, you can transform yourself. Now, here's the problem with those things. They're based on superficial changes. The idea that a spiritually dead person is going to be happier with money is just wrong. If you were unhappy as a spiritually dead person when you were broke, you're going to be unhappy as a spiritually dead person when, you're, when you got money. It won't bring you happiness. It may bring you the bikini models, but it won't bring you happiness. I'm being kind. I've thought of so many other things I could say about this. Uh, turn with me to Joshua chapter 1. Here's God's way to prosperity. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. God's telling Joshua how to succeed. In other words, he's giving him wisdom that will make him live long and have riches and honor. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then, after you have fulfilled the requirements, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Folks, I want you to understand something. And if you don't get anything else from this message, please understand this. The Word of God is transformative. Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, the spirit and life. It's the only thing that can transform you for an eternal purpose. It's the only thing that can transform you with lasting results. Everything else, self-help stuff, all that kind of stuff, affirmations, looking at yourself in the mirror and telling yourself what a good guy you are and all that kind of stuff is all based on the superficial. It's trying to trick you into thinking something that your heart probably won't agree with. But the Word of God is transformative for good. The Word of God makes a lasting transformation. The Word of God makes a transformation that, that enables you to operate in the nature of God. Now, what is the nature of God? Life. The nature of God is life. What are the attributes of life? Well, the Bible says wisdom and understanding. What do wisdom and understanding bring? Length of days and riches and honor. But they're all byproducts. The real deal is the word. 
This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that's written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Gaining wealth is about increasing in wisdom, pure and simple. Gaining wealth is about increasing in wisdom. If you want greater resources, if you want a greater income, if you want more money, it's about an increase in wisdom. Now, how do you do that? How does that work? Well, it works through three very simple steps. Learning, understanding, and practice. Let's talk about those. Let's say that you decide that you want to learn something and and become proficient in self-defense. So what do you do? You buy the Everyman's Guide to Self-Defense. You start looking at what, the, what the, the book says about how to defend yourself and so forth. You read that sucker through two or three times, backwards and forwards. Some of it you even commit to memory. But you gain the information, the knowledge of what to do in a crisis. Now, you're walking on your way to home, uh, towards your home one night, and somebody comes up from behind you and grabs you around the throat and sticks something cold and hard in your ribs. What do you do? You pull out your every man's guide to self-defense. You know as well as I do, that's not going to work even if you've memorized chapter 7 where it talks about being attacked from behind. What does work? Gaining the knowledge, understanding the principles behind the knowledge, and then practicing to where it becomes second nature to you. To where you don't have to, you can bypass the slow logic of your mind to operate instinctively. That's what God's telling Joshua to do. He's saying commit the word of God to your spirit by meditating therein. Not just, and here's another thing about the Jews that you need to, we take for granted because we can all read. That's not true for everybody in the world. The Jews understand that if you, the book of, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, that means you're going to have to be able to read it so that you can understand it so that you can speak it. So they've always placed a very, very high priority on education. No matter what the circumstances, no matter what the background, their education starts at home. The parents teach the children to read, and it's passed down from generation to generation. The whole reason for that is because if you can't read, you can't understand the Torah. And the Torah, meaning the first five books of the Bible, is the foundation of Judaism, is the foundation for every good thing that God wants for his people. Old Testament as well as new. So they place a very high value on education. You know one of the things that we struggle with, and the only reason we struggle with this because it was too stupid to find out the truth. We struggled with our kids. We struggled with, do you pay for good grades? When report card times comes, do you pay money for getting good grades? Do you pay $5 or $10 for an A and $6 for a B and so forth? Do you do all that? Well, we talked about this and we discussed it. We don't want to make them think that... that, that uh, uh, Doing well in school is something that's uh, anything other than expected and so forth. The Jews are, forget that. The Jews have a whole holiday about paying kids for education. That's what Hanukkah is about. There's a direct relationship during Hanukkah, direct relationship between the lighting of the candles in a brightly lit room. No reason to have the candles. And they give... Children, especially, they give the children money on Hanukkah. Why? Because the light represents education. It represents self-improvement or development. It's to teach the kids that there's a reward for improving yourself. I wish I'd known that when my kids were young. 
My kids are probably thinking they wish I'd known that too. They'd made some money. But see, we are so legalistic and have such a wrong biblical attitude or an anti-biblical attitude about so many things because we're going according to what we think instead of what the Bible says. And we really don't take the Bible apart to figure out what it means. Well, that's what this is talking about. This book of law shall not depart out of your mouth. You've got to be able to read it and understand it to be able to, to operate in it. But it should be something that is so second nature to us that when the situation arises, you're able to handle it right off. How many of you have ever gone away from a conflict, maybe a business deal or a negotiation or something like that, and you thought of maybe it's a conflict, maybe it's an argument or whatever it might be. But on the way home, you think of a thousand things you could have said. Why didn't you say them when it was going on? We didn't have time to think it out. But the Bible is telling us that if we become proficient enough in the wisdom of God, then acting and reacting and responding in situations whether they're, they're friendly or whether they're adversarial, will be a every, every, uh, moment-by-moment moment thing. Not only that, the Holy Ghost will give you the words to say if you can't figure out on your own what to do. That's wisdom. That's Bible wisdom. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. What's he saying? He's saying learn, understand, and practice. Learn, understand, and practice. What is the learning part? The learning part is gaining knowledge. If the Bible says something you didn't know was in there, then you just gain knowledge. How do you understand? You understand by meditating in it, by speaking it to yourself again and again. How do you practice it? How do you do it? Well, you do what the Bible says to do. Even if it's nothing more than meditating, meaning re uh, to repeat over and over again, say it again and again and again. Now, these are affirmations, but not affirmations to try to change your mind. These are affirmations to try to get the Word of God to become part of your spirit. Because when they become part of your spirit, then the light comes on. And when the light comes on on the inside of us, then our mind is changed naturally, automatically. And then the blessing of the wisdom comes to pass in our lives. Well, what is that? You'll make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. One of the most outstanding characteristics of this verse of Scripture is it does not say God will prosper you. It says you'll make your way prosperous. You're the one that does it. In other words, the transformation that takes place in you brings prosperity. God doesn't change before you start or after you're finished. He's the same one way as the other. And if God was picking and choosing, then he'd say, okay, prosperity for you, poverty for you. Which is the way most of the church world thinks is going on. Thinks that's the way it works, but it doesn't. It works according to your choice to transform yourself. I used to say that money doesn't change people. It just reveals who they are. Well, that's true where it comes to sudden increase or quick money. But that's not true for somebody that changes themselves to increase. They are different. They are changed. One uh, uh, Jewish rabbi puts it this way. He says that, uh, uh, that an increase in income will change the way you look at yourself. And so he puts it in the form of a mathematical equation. He says it this way. He says, the old you plus more money equals the new you. And I know it's hard to, without having it in front of you to see. Let me say that again so you should get it. The old you plus more money is, equals the new you. Well, if you follow the principles of mathematics, you can change or you can uh, subtract from both sides of the equation 
without changing the value of the equation itself. So he subtracts the old you from both sides, which leaves you with more money equals the new you minus the old you. Folks, that's what the Bible is saying. You transform yourself from where you are to who you, who the Bible says you can be, who the Bible really says you are. Money is just an easy thing. The accumulation of wealth becomes automatic. It's not something that we struggle to get. The blessing of the Lord makes rich and he adds no sorrow to it. One translation says, and no amount of hard work can add to it. In other words, it's a natural byproduct. Natural byproduct of the wisdom of God in operation. Now, let me ask you this. You know as well as I do that not everybody that's born a Jew lives like a Jew. In the same way, not everybody that's been born again as a Christian lives like a Christian. Well, with the Jewish people, we call those that that live according to the Torah, live according to the Jewish law, the law of Moses, we call them practicing Jews. Well, we've got some practicing Christians too. We don't use the terminology where it comes to Christianity, but we should. And a practicing Christian is what James talks about as being a doer of the word. And notice that James says, James 1.22 says, Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. The Bible tells us that the doer of the word is the one that's blessed in his deed. That goes back to the the self-defense example we used. It's not the guy that reads the book. It's the guy that practices so that when the situation arises, he automatically operates according to what the principles and the techniques that he's been taught tell him to do. Can you see that? The same thing's true where finances are concerned. The same exact thing's true where money is concerned. We need to be so proficient in what the Bible says about the wisdom of God regarding our finances, regarding our money, that it becomes second nature to us. Now, lest you think that I'm just using Old Testament principles, turn with me to a couple of New Testament openings. Turn with me over to uh, Romans chapter 12. The whole purpose of tonight's message is that the word is transformative. Notice what Paul said in Romans chapter 12, writing to born-again, spirit-filled Christians. We'll start in verse 1 just to get the context. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is reasonable service. In other words, you born-again, spirit-filled Christians need to do something with your bodies. God's not going to do it for you. You need to do something with your bodies. Secondly, he said in verse 2, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove. This word prove does, means to determine by experience. One translation, or many translations actually say that you may experience what is that good and perfect, good and acceptable and perfect will of God. In other words, he says the only way you're going to experience the perfect will of God in your life is to be transformed. The only way you're going to experience the perfect will of God where healing is concerned is to be transformed regarding the knowledge of healing. The only way you're going to be transformed to experience the perfect will of God where your finances or your well-being or your prosperity is concerned is to be transformed by the knowledge of the word of God regarding money matters and wealth. It's the only way it can happen. Now, too many Christians are going through life and they're thinking, well, I've heard the word of God. Pastor Mike preaches the word. That's good enough. I go to church every week, most weeks at least. So that should be good enough. That's not enough to transform you. That may be enough for you to be self-deceived. 
James said, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Some people are hearers of the word. They may be hearers of the truth. But they're deceiving themselves into thinking that they're okay, that they're where they need to be with God, that they're where they need to be in their relationship with the Word of God, that the changes that are necessary to be made in them are being made because they're going to the right church and listening to the right teaching. That's deception. There's only one way for you to be transformed, and that is for you to take an active position daily with the Word of God. Remember what God told Joshua? This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein. How much? Day and night. Day and night. A lot of times, and I've seen this happen more times than I can count, but a lot of times what happens is that God starts blessing somebody or he'll open a door of blessing for them and they'll get happy about it, they'll get content about it, and so they'll forget that the word of God that they turn back to is the thing that got them the blessing to start with. And they lose the blessing along the way. Why? Did God take it from them? No. They didn't put the work in, the effort in to transform themselves to what the the will of God to experience, the will of God in that area, prosperity or whatever it is. And so they miss out. They lose it. They're attacked from behind by the enemy, just like in the example that we used on self-defense. They're not equipped because they don't take an active role where the word of God is concerned. Now, let me show you one other scripture, a New Testament scripture, and that's over in 3 John, verse 2. Now, some people will say, well, this is John writing to a certain person, not to the church. But if God is no respecter of persons, then that means the same thing that he would, John would be inspired by the Holy Ghost to write for one person. The Holy Ghost would want for every person. Isn't that true? God doesn't want more for one person than he does another, does he? He can't if the Bible is true where it says he's no respecter of persons. So if this book is inspired by the Holy Ghost, this is God's will for you, just like it was God inspiring John to say that it was his will for him, or him meaning the guy that he wrote to, Gaius. Notice in verse 2, 3 John verse 2, Beloved, I wish, this word wish is also the word pray. I wish or pray above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. Notice what he says. My greatest desire for you is that you walk in prosperity and that you walk in healing in the same measure that you're being transformed by the word. That's what soul prospering is. That's what, John, that's what uh, Paul just told us about in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove or experience what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's the renewing of the mind. That's the prospering of the soul. James called it the the saving of the soul. It's all the same thing. It's the effect of the transformation. It's the transformative effect of the word of God upon you in your life. It's the transformative effect. Now, what part of of the word of God are we supposed to be transformed by? The whole thing. The whole thing. One of the things we're going to talk about is even though we emphasize money, one of the things, wealth, prosperity in this series is that you can't expect to prosper if you're not operating in all the Word of God. For example, you can't operate dishonestly. I, I've, I was talking to one guy one time, and he got caught in a, in a uh, dishonest business deal, and I said, well, what were you doing? What were you thinking when you did that? And he said, well, he said, Pastor Mike, I was believing God to prosper. He said, I, I just I told the Lord, he said, if you let me get away with this, then after I get the money that I need, then I'll start being honest. 
He said it with all sincerity. I mean, he really meant it. I looked him right in the eye, and I'm, I'm just waiting for him to bust up laughing and say, you know, gotcha. But he was serious, just as serious as he could be. I said, you didn't really think that would work, did you? And he said, well, I see now that it wouldn't. A lot of people are willing to be dishonest to get ahead with every intention of straightening things out down the road. It won't work that way. God's plan is for you to prosper or make your way prosperous by operating in all the word of God that you know. That's why some things don't work in some people's lives because they won't submit the entirety of their lives. They'll hold back certain areas that they know they should deal with and things that they know they should correct, but they won't correct them and hope they're going to slide by with the Lord. There's a fellow that came to our church for, gosh, 12, maybe 15 years, tithed faithfully, always had money trouble. He came to me a number of times, but he said, Pastor Mike, I want you to tell me something. I, I, I'm not trying to make a negative confession, but you can see the, the financial situation of our family. I want you to tell me why the tithe's not working. And I didn't have an answer for him. I just kept, I told him the same thing I tell anybody. Well, the word of God's true. You keep acting on the word of God and it'll come to pass in your life. Yeah, but I, you know I'm tithing, Pastor Mike. You've seen my financial records. You know I'm tithing. I want you to tell me why it's not working. I didn't have an answer for him. And it started bothering me. Well, after about 12 years of being in our church, I found out he's been having an affair with another woman for most of that time. Well, that kind of answered my question. You can't expect the word of God to work in one area if you're not going to live by it in another area. That's what God's telling Joshua. This book of the law, the whole thing shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do it. What part? The whole thing. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. God knows if you're going to try to run a game on him to get more money. I might not, but he does, and it won't work. It'll never work. Folks, I want to talk to you about some of the principles that the Jews understand. I want to talk to you about some of the things that the Jews operate according to and show you how it fits biblically. I want to show you some things that you've probably never heard before, probably never seen before, things that I never knew until I started studying after the Jews. Now, that doesn't mean they've got all the answers in every area, but, boy, they've got to handle some of these things where finances are concerned. I'm looking forward to sharing these things with you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. We thank you that it's true. Thank you that your will is for us to prosper and to be in health even as our soul prospers. Cause us, Father, to recognize the importance of allowing the word of God to transform us. We thank you, Father, that as we let the word of God, the wisdom of God do its work in us, we thank you, Father, that you'll cause the blessings of God, the characteristics and the attributes of wisdom to be abundantly present and manifest in our lives. Thank you, Lord, that your will is prosperity and your will is health. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being with us.